1: Hello
0: and welcome to Awesome Etiquette,
1: where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take your questions on housewarmings when you downsize, belated wedding reception wording, how to handle a business lunch during COVID, and wedding invitation wording for hosts. For
1: Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your question of the week is about using doctor socially.
0: Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we connect to past generations of posts and start celebrating our 100-year anniversary.
1: All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Dan Post-Senning.
0: And I'm Lizzie Post. And it's
1: good to be here with you this morning.
0: (laughs) It's good to be here with you, too. I appreciate the flexibility on the schedule. I know that, like, we always kind of start the new year rip roaring ready to get back into work believe it or not
1: yeah we,
0: we had like really good ideas for this week and then schedules were like oh wait but i've got a car drop off and you've got a this and i've got a then and i really ap- appreciate the kind of flexibility and the intention setting at the start of the week of like we're gonna do things regimented <laughs> it was good it was good
1: <laughs> and if you want something done ask a busy person
0: Oh, and it does feel busy. I'll say these first couple days of the of the new year, the the work week in the new year have felt like, like really getting organized, getting things together, you know, filling out our social media for the month. And as you know, for the year and then as you know because getting ready to accommodate chris being away for six weeks um and you being out on some paternity leave and so that means oh man it's prep and script i think we have something like um I, i don't even know how many script i'm like let me look at the list there's something like a good 10 scripts, I think, that we have to get through between now and, and the end of the month. So consider this our, one of our call-outs, and you'll hear many of them. We we need your submissions, audience. We're going to need tons of etiquette salutes and your feedback, and of course, your awesome etiquette questions to keep us going and ensure that you have a brand new show every single Monday in your inbox. I, I'm kind of excited for it, Dan. It's a lot of recording, but it's I think it's going to be really fun.
1: So help me out with the math math here if we record two shows a week for six weeks then we'll have the necessary six weeks of shows
0: almost it's a little shorter than that but it is yeah because it's 10 it's 10 episodes that we have to pre-record all together and so technically it should be able to happen in five weeks time so so 10 and 5 is what we're shooting for two 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 a week for five weeks
1: well Um, Our Awesome Etiquette audience has been awesome in the past with this sort of challenge. We got Chris to Scotland and we never had to interrupt his last vacation. Yes,
0: yes, yes.
1: (laughs) In the spirit of our perfect track record being maintained, I will add my voice to your call. We would so, so, so appreciate any extra questions, thoughts, comments, feedback, and particularly salutes, which really make my day from all of Mm. you. It will be so helpful and we know that you'll be there for us.
0: Because, you know, I, I love a good challenge and I love anything that lets me sit down and organize things, even though maybe my house isn't so organized. Work-wise, I love getting organized. And so it's, it, it, it feels good to be back at it at the start of this year.
1: Oh, I feel the same way. I can't even tell yeah. you. And don't think it's so confessional, Miss, I pretend to be unorganized. But underneath it all, <laughs> I like to have everything exactly the way I like it.
0: I'll let you and my mother debate whether that's me pretending or my natural status.
1: <laughs> no, I think your mother knows too. But <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, I also want to latch onto something else that you just said because it's very yeah. similar to a thought that I've been having, which is that we are very busy. There is a lot to do right now. And it feels good to me too. And part of me thinks that I've been craving some – what I think of as normalcy in my life. And yeah. Something about working and being busy and having lots to do feels normal, and in some ways it's really reassuring.
0: I am totally there with you. One of my one of my resolution goals, I think I think I stated it on last week's show was that I I do have some body work that I want to do for myself and some sort of health goals that I want to be reaching for. And I was noticing the difference in how I was applying myself to those goals this week versus the last week and a half when we were on vacation. And boy, what a difference. I mean, getting up and, and, you know, you and I committing to our, our first morning call and making sure that I've gotten some kind of, you know, either yoga or workout in before that, or I know what I'm going to be eating for dinner, so it doesn't become a last minute challenge. Putting our work framework back into place, uh, I felt like really kind of helped me also organize my personal life. And like you, I'm loving it. I'm like, I'm loving how it feels to kind of have some, some boundaries and some guides and things like that. And of course, you know, li- living single, I'm, I'm a much more kind of free operator on the home front. There's a lot more self motivation but the the work is so inspiring to creating that in my life at home as well. So I've, I've been really appreciating it.
1: You know, there's probably an etiquette theme that we could tease out of this about how <laughs> a little bit of structure can be really liberating, really freeing in a lot of circumstances.
0: <laughs> Boundaries are good. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right.
1: Well, speaking of boundaries, we have to wrap up this intro because we have some questions to get to.
0: We absolutely do. Let's do it.
1: Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are awesomeetiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H, slash manners, it's manners with an S, to save $10 on your first purchase. And now, back to our show. Our first question is titled, Downsizing Details. Hello! We are downsizing from a house to a trailer. We would like to have small housewarming gatherings just to be safe. Is it okay to say on the invitation to guests that they don't have to bring anything? Food would not be necessary, and as we are moving to a much smaller place, any home decor gifts would be a challenge to fit in our new home. Any advice would be really appreciated. Signed, Loving One Floor Living.
1: Oh, congratulations, One Floor Living on your new place.
0: <laughs> I love this. I, I know you, you enjoyed your time in, in a small space, and it can it can be really liberating.
1: Oh, that cabin was was great. I think it's one of the reasons Pooja fell in love with me.
0: I was even thinking of way before that in the – I mean we jokingly call it the tin can. But you were in a, in a very small Airstream trailer for a number of years in California, right?
1: Calling it an Airstream is um, a very glorious representation glorious? of the trailer I that mean, I lived in for many years. Yeah. No, your you're taking me way nook. back because <laughs> – <laughs>
0: Um, but it, it can be liberating. But there is this then question of what do you do when people give you things that you don't have the space to store? And that includes even perishables that might go away or, you know, consumables that you're like, the intention is to make them be gone eventually. But yeah. you don't, you just don't have the cabinet space to be storing or the refrigerator space to be storing these kinds of things.
1: Well, let's start with etiquette essentials. Okay. and for me, the most important thing is before any of the anticipatory communication, I just want to remind myself that if someone does show up with a gift, I'm going to receive it well, that I'm not going to reject anyone in the moment, in person in particular, that you can always find room to thank them for the thought, for the effort, if not for the particular gift itself, even if it's True, that you're not going to hold on to it. You're not going to keep it. Mm-hmm. I think receiving the gift and receiving it well in the moment is important. Even if it was a gift that was over the top, that I was going to want to be talking to the person about not accepting it later in the moment, you want to thank them. Mm-hmm. You want to thank them for doing the thing.
0: I think it's a really, really good point.
1: Once you've got that etiquette essential in your pocket, I think then you can start to play a little bit with that tricky gray area of. First of all, giving direction about gift-giving. Second of all, anticipating people bringing gifts to a party that's not traditionally a big gift party, although people do sometimes show up with gifts. So there's some question about how much of that anticipatory communication you want to engage with and how far you want to go. And I had one idea about that.
0: Did you? I got a couple too.
1: (laughs) A a little short of mentioning (laughs) gifts because you know me. I tend to come down on the – more conservative cautious approach mm-hmm. <laughs> often and i was thinking in the inviting or the the setting up of the gathering talk a little bit about the nature of your new place and mm-hmm. what you're excited about for the move and i think that will start to get people in the frame of mind of oh they're downsizing and they're reducing the amount of stuff that they have already mm-hmm. and i think that that just that information would be enough for me as someone coming to not bring a big cheese board that takes up a lot of space in the kitchen as a housewarming gift.
0: Dan, what you just said sent an image through my mind of like a really cute invitation, whether it's paper or digitally sent, that like has a, a really cute like caricature of a trailer and and mentions something in the in the invitation itself about like that, you know, we are we are loving downsizing or we're so excited to downsize, something like that. So that it kind of highlights the idea like housewarming for a smaller place, you know? But it really inspired in my mind of using the invitation as a way to subtly get that across but then I also started thinking about the RSVP and if you do put an RSVP with a phone number and request a phone call for your RSVP it might prompt you more to have that opportunity to have the conversation Mm -hmm. oh we're so glad you're gonna make it we are hosting it outside because you know well we'll be able to give tours of the trailer it is a very small space and so you know we're gonna want to keep things outside and we're keeping it. you know, small because the fridge won't be able to handle the leftovers or we're going to ask guests to take leftovers home, things like that, I think can be ways where you start to either um, softly hint at or much more directly uh, communicate to people the idea that this is a a small space that we are living in, that, that even with a party like this, we're trying to strategically think about how to handle the food and the leftovers and things like that. Yeah. And that could, I think, help get some people there. What do you think, Cuz, about for a party where gifts aren't necessarily expected the way they are for something like a shower – about putting something like a no gifts please on the invitation itself. And I'm I'm thinking not a verbal invitation where you're calling the person and discussing th- both the party and then what would be good if they're planning on bringing anything, but but just a, you know, you've only got the words on the screen or the words on the page or the invitation mm-hmm. to communicate it. Do you think the no gifts please would be warranted here or does it sound
1: presumptuous? No gifts please feels a little short to me. Mhm. And I maybe it's just because I'm so used to giving the advice that there are only certain invitations that you put no gifts, please on, and this isn't like a on birthday that short invitation list. or yeah, yeah. Even even if it would function well that way, just because it's not in that easy category in my mind, I don't mm-hmm. go there as immediately.
0: You know, because I can, I really both hear your point, and in sort of the more casual framework that something like. A housewarming party tends to to be within, I could see it being a really concise and, and easy application of getting this message across. I could also see you padding it out a little bit. Like I've seen people use phrases like your presence will be the perfect present, you know, to warm our house or something like that. Again, kind of seems like you might be expecting people to bring gifts. But I want to put out there that even though housewarmings aren't something where guests have to or are obliged to bring a gift, that a lot of people do. So it's it's not terribly gauche to think that people might be bringing gifts and you want to give them some direction on that, but it might be softening it to really emphasizing that their presence is what will worm the house or even no need to bring anything. We'll have everything all set. Something like that might kind of help people understand the wishes of the hosts in this
1: case. I really like the padded out language. Okay. And to me that starts to (laughs) work. it's doing i think for me what you're intending it to do which is soften the message a little bit and Mm -hmm. maybe because i've got that no gifts please as such a concrete phrase in my mind Mm -hmm. that i I have associations with it whereas when i'm really thinking about what you're saying to me your Mm -hmm. presence will be the perfect gift to warm our house that it just feels a little bit softer so i i'm i'm following you down that road i'm hoping you'll keep going to the even more padded out (laughs) <laughs> sample script i just saw in our show script because i think it's my favorite
0: so this is one where i would probably like write this on the back of the invitation or if there was more room and i would probably handwrite it in so that it feels more like a personal note but the, the sample script and is referring to was my very long-winded version of course which was, i love it for guests who are accustomed to bringing gifts or food to a housewarming, we ask that you kindly warm our space with your presence instead. And I think that really does spell out the whole thing. like it's not it's not a everywhere custom, but for those of you who might feel so inclined, we would prefer this. Like it kind of bounces in that direction.
1: And if they can't help themselves and they show up with a x, y, or Z, thank you so much for the X, y, or Z. It's so thoughtful.
0: Absolutely 100%. Loving one-floor living. We are so happy for you in your move and and loving the downsizing. We certainly hope that your new space is warmed with family, friends and new neighbors and that you really enjoy it.
1: The ultimate result is that beautiful homes have been provided at a modest cost to American families. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Our next question is about a belated reception invitation. Dear Awesome Etiquette team, my husband and I had to postpone our big wedding plans due to the pandemic, but we were still married on our original date with just our parents and siblings in attendance. We are now getting ready to order invitations to our postponed party for friends and extended family. How do you suggest we word the invitations? Our unsent, original invitation said, Mr. and Mrs. Bride's parents cordially invite you to the wedding of their daughter, bride's first name and middle names, to groom's first, middle, and last names, then listed the time and place, etc. I have since taken my husband's last name and changed my maiden name to my middle name. It also seems a little incorrect to call this second bigger party a wedding, when we will be married for a year by the time the event takes place. Thank you in advance for your help with wording our postponed wedding invitations. Sincerely, Postponed Bride. Postponed
0: bride, congratulations on the wedding that you were able to hold during a very difficult time and on on your nuptials. It's very exciting. And what I'm hearing is that it really does sound like a belated second reception or what some people just simply call a second reception to a wedding, as opposed to being a full recreation of the ceremony or as opposed to being the actual ceremony where, you know, legally we are tying the knot. And so... I think that you probably want to lean into some of our uh, sample language for a belated reception. And I did go straight, straight to our wedding etiquette book, sixth edition, which is just such a fabulous book. I've I've heard from a number of couples out there how much they've appreciated it and earlier this fall I actually had to dive into it for a little bit and the the opener to that book is just so heartwarming and when you're feeling overwhelmed about the idea of throwing such a monumental event That opener really kind of focuses it all back down. I was really, really, really pleased with how that book's turned out and how it's carried through over the years. But the language for a belated reception would sound like this. Mr. and Mrs. Bride's parents request the pleasure of your company at a reception in honor of Mr and Mrs and then you can do you you and your partner's names together and so and and obviously however you choose to to state your name is is fine but the idea would be that you're requesting the pleasure of the guests company at a reception that's honoring and now we have the married couple because that's that's really what's going on. There's a less formal way to do it where you might use first names instead. So, Bill and Pat, bride's parents, invite you to celebrate the marriage of John and Eliza you know bride and groom um and you you wouldn't write bride and groom just John and Eliza are the bride and groom but you you would put their joined last name or however their names appear now and those would be the two different ways that you could do that and and have it more clearly communicate what people are being invited to i have seen some people also put their company at a belated reception in honor of and that's another way to do it But it sounds like you know the party you want to throw. You just want to make sure you're getting the right wording on the invitation to throwing it and inviting people to it.
1: That's absolutely what I'm hearing here. And this question took me back to the middle of 2020, Lizzie Post, when you and I started to answer these kinds of questions on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. And we'd been doing it for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, and we really started to key on having clarity about the different components to a wedding day. What, yeah. what are we talking about when we talk about someone getting married and it's the ceremony and the, the difference between the way you handle rescheduling reception ceremonies, whether they happen independently of each other or together, but really being clear about the, the party and the celebration versus the actual event of the marrying of a couple, I yeah. think is, is oftentimes a good place to start when you're trying to, suss it out and figure out what exactly it is that you're inviting someone to. And I think it's a really natural thing in anyone's mind to think of your wedding day and all of it as the wedding and particularly the, the ceremony party and the reception. Yeah, Everybody <laughs> celebrates and everybody really <laughs> gets to gets to rejoice about what has happened. And mm-hmm. I think for many people that might feel like the most significant part of it. It's the the, the, the moment part. where you commit to each other might for some be the thing maybe the other thing is but yeah. i i can definitely understand the feeling of that celebrating with family and friends feeling essential and like a really important component it is we just have a different name for it
0: it is and the other thing to consider too is that there are lots of different ways to handle this we've we've seen these types of belated receptions be incredibly casual um, you know, almost like a little afternoon tea or a backyard barbecue or a punching cookies type party, you know, really simple and just a chance to get the folks who all live in this part of the country who really couldn't make it for the wedding, a chance to celebrate with the happy couple. And we've also seen people put on something that's basically like their their wedding all over again, where, you know, the dresses and the tuxes are worn and vows are exchanged and everything. And so there's there are different ways to handle it and I think it does help with the language in the invitation to make it clear what your guest is going to experience. The two pieces of sample language that we gave for this particular reception where there isn't going to be the the ceremony but there is going to be the party I think really fit it. But I would make sure if I was doing either – something bigger that that I might want to make sure that I'm including that and and you would because you'd say you know recreation of ceremony starting at you know xyz time or something like that but I think it is a really good thing it's it's something I'm really pleased to hear couples doing because I think it's very easy to have that smaller sort of we've often called it the covid wedding or the pandemic wedding and have the intention to do a big party afterwards but with you know, all, all different things from safety concerns to just burnout, people end up not throwing that party. And I, I get really excited when I hear about couples choosing to throw that second party when no one or very few people
1: were able to come to the first. I couldn't agree more. I'm really hoping that our postponed bride doesn't feel so postponed and is looking forward to the coming party. We hope that our answer has helped and that everything goes smoothly with the rest of the planning.
0: This question is titled COVID Lunch Contact. Good afternoon. I will be graduating in December and have been seriously searching for job prospects since January. Despite all the news about the abundance of jobs available, entry-level positions in my field, bridge engineering, are actually hard to come by, particularly in my region of the country. I was just contacted by the VP of the bridge group of a local company. He heard about me through a colleague, and he would like to meet for lunch to get to know me. Here's my dilemma. With the rate of COVID-19 infections continually increasing, I really don't feel comfortable being in public without a mask. Though I am fully vaccinated, I don't have health insurance or paid time off, so I don't want to take any chances of contracting the virus. Is it rude to attend this lunch but decline to eat? I don't want to come across as ungrateful or rude. I also don't want to pass up an opportunity to meet with someone who could be the only possible job lead I have at this point. Should I just take my chances and remove my mask? Sincerely, Angie
1: M. Angie, thank you so much for the question. And first of all, congratulations on (laughs) being invited out and having a good lead on a job that might be tough to get. It also sounds like you're doing really good work. When people hear about you through a colleague and that word is good enough, that means that your professional reputation is in good shape. So bravo and brava. Now you've got a kind of tricky situation. And whenever I'm faced with a tricky situation, I want to start by asking myself, what is certain here? What are the the, the boundaries and the parameters that I have that I know I have to operate within? And Oftentimes that doesn't make resolving the tricky situation any easier, but for me, it helps me face it and really come to to terms with what my options are. And Lizzie Post and I say on the show all the time that safety supersedes etiquette, that ultimately our social expectations are in service of relationships, but they also have to function to keep us safe and feeling safe and like we're okay to be out and about doing what we do. So Having said that, if you are not comfortable and you have a set of boundaries about where you go, what you participate in, where you wear a mask, then the the trick becomes just how you communicate that. And I think that you communicate that clearly and you do it in a way that's unambiguous where you take responsibility for the choices that you've made. Mm-hmm. When I start to think about how I'm going to tweak that answer or – um look for a kind or benevolent truth as opposed to a harsh or a brutal truth when I express it. I'm thinking about things like really trying to keep the focus on how much you appreciate them reaching out, how much you appreciate the opportunity, how much you look forward to connecting with this person, how eager you are to find uh, a way that you can do it that works for both of you. And I think that keeping the emphasis on that, on your, your appreciation, your enthusiasm, your forward-thinking qualities is going to make it easier to also say things like I am comfortable doing this or that, but I'm mm-hmm. not so comfortable doing this because you're, mm-hmm. you're you're already in a position where you've communicated clearly enough positive things that the focus isn't just on the – minor i'm going to call it inconvenience that accommodating people's preferences around masks sometimes causes
0: dan i know that so many of us over the past 2 years have gotten skilled at or at least familiar with these types of conversations where there's a little bit of sort of the covid safety protocol negotiation that has to happen in order for mm-hmm. people to get together so while i i wouldn't lean on it 100% as a oh everybody's going to do this with me i would be comfortable reaching out with something that lets the other person know the ways in which I would be comfortable meeting up. Mm -hmm. And it might be that I start by just being honest and recognizing that these are still tough times with now Omicron out there. And you'd love to be able to gather in a way that makes you both feel comfortable and safe. And then I would state, you know, I'm, I'm happy to meet via Zoom if that works for you, or we could go for a walk or grab a cup of coffee outside any of the things that you would be willing to do i would put up front and I like then that. yeah. and that's kind of like just saying what you're willing to and I, I don't want to say that you then turn around and say what you're not willing to do i think almost we kind of I don't want to completely omit it because at some point you might need to say it doesn't sound like that'll work for me. But if someone really is saying, well, I'd really like to treat you to lunch and you might have to say, oh, I really I so appreciate that gesture. It means quite a lot to me, unfortunately, because of how I'm choosing to manage COVID protocols for myself. I think I'd, I'd be comfortable dining out with you if you're comfortable that I, I choose to keep my mask on and probably am not going to order anything. You know, it's like I don't want to prevent the other person from doing what they feel comfortable doing. Yeah. But at the same time, acknowledging that the the thing they're suggesting for you might mean mask on the whole time, whereas they might be expecting a mask off and both of you ordering. I think it's kind of nice if someone is offering to treat you to something like a lunch that you're able to balance the expectation of what that lunch would look like. And then balance it against some of the other options that are available. Like we said, the Zoom call or going for a walk or an outdoor coffee or maybe an outdoor meal might feel more comfortable. And so I might I might try and present it that way. But um, definitely piggybacking on everything Dan has already said about starting off with how appreciative you are of this particular contact reaching out and, and wanting to get to know you.
1: As I listen to our answer develop, I'm realizing that both of us are operating from the assumption that you wouldn't accept the invitation without saying anything, show up to a meal where you've been invited by someone right. who's going to treat you to lunch and then not order anything order. and leave your mask mm-hmm. on the whole time.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: I think you and I are both in very clear agreement and that we haven't even allowed for that as a possibility that the, yeah. the good course of action here is some sort of communication ahead of time that unfortunately you can't just easily accept this invitation – Based on your current safety protocols and that that's going to require a little bit of communication ahead of time to either modify what you're saying yes to or that that you would have to say no to the invitation. But that it would probably be pretty awkward to show up without having laid that groundwork at all and then not eat um, or, or, or take off a mask for an entire meal.
0: Dan, do you have any other tips for how Angie might be able to help nurture this particular contact? Because it does sound like a pretty important contact within both her region and her field of work.
1: Absolutely. And this is maybe the most important part of a job search. And that's the networking, network, network, network. The person who's most likely to hire you next is someone who knows someone you know right now. So the the focus can always be on maintaining and having good relationships with people. But then as you build and grow those relationships, you really want to nurture them. And the best advice for that is to follow up. Don't just treat it as a one-off opportunity. Mm -hmm. In the best possible scenario, this is the beginning of a process of getting to know someone. So be looking forward to writing that thank you note very quickly when you walk out the door. And Be thinking about the kinds of follow-ups that you might make with this person either to continue to develop that relationship or maybe um, get other names or contacts or, or really start to work on building that network out from this particular meeting.
0: Angie, congratulations once again on your graduation and on making some moves within your field right out the gate. We really hope that you're able to engage this meeting comfortably and confidently and that it helps get you to the next step.
1: Scientists think that most colds are caused by
0: extremely small microorganisms called viruses. Viruses, and there are many different kinds of them, can be scattered with each particle of saliva and mucus.
1: Our next question is about wedding hosts. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I've listened to the podcast for so long that I feel like I know you. Many thanks for all the insight you've provided for navigating social interactions over the years. Now I've got a situation that I'm hoping you can help us handle correctly. Our only daughter will be getting married this spring. Yay! She will be having a lovely 75-person wedding, which we are paying for in its entirety. That's fine, she's our only child and we can afford hosting this event. She is uber-organized and preparing to order her invitations. Her father and I are concerned about invitation wording. Is it wrong for us to hold the Mr. and Mrs. Robert Jones invite you to verbiage? We are, after all, hosting this party. I may be jumping the gun on anticipating our daughter and future son-in-law may wish to have some other wording, but would love your input in our heads as we approach this wedding planning step. I guess I'm asking for a sample script. Thank you again for making this a more gracious world. On a very personal note, we moved from Vermont one year ago. Listening to you each week is yet another way we can stay connected to our beloved state. I hope you know that your casual references and depictions of some quintessentially Vermont things resonate far and wide. Mother of the Bride
0: it's it is always so touching to hear people who, who've known and appreciated like where you live too you know um so while I'm sure Vermont is sad to no longer have you all here um it's I'm, I am so glad our podcast can can produce a point of contact for you for that and it's it's snowy outside <laughs> it's like all the lovely things Vermont is in the winter right now
1: <laughs> I will second that we are happy to provide a point of connection to the state that we love too
0: when it comes When it comes to the wording, that classic uh, verbiage about Mr. and Mrs., I think you use the names Robert Jones, request the pleasure of your company or the honor of your presence would be used for like a house of worship at the marriage of, that is very traditional wording. And it might be worthwhile as you go into talking with your daughter about placing the order for those invitations to say that you know there are lots of different ways to – um, or that you recognize there are lots of different ways to word your invitations. And if you and future husband don't have a particular wording that you as uh, the host of the wedding would love to use this particular wording or this traditional wording, that might be one way to go. I would also be willing to think about the inclusive nature that a lot of people tend to lean to for wedding invitations nowadays and it is i want to say that without heavily implying that the language uh we've just mentioned is not inclusive in some way the language that we just mentioned is is perfectly fine it is perfectly correct there is nothing wrong with it But there are a lot of couples nowadays who either because they're the ones doing all the organizing and planning, even if someone else is fitting the bill, or they really want to include parents who maybe didn't get the opportunity to contribute to the wedding or who couldn't contribute to the wedding to be seen as hosts as well, that combinations of either something like together with their families and then listing the couples names or listing all the parents whether that's two sets of parents whether that's a set of parents and a single parent whether that's four sets of parents divor- you know a divorced and remarried it does strike a really inclusive kind of and to Together as a group, we're doing this feel to it, which a lot of people lean into nowadays. So I think one, prepping that your daughter may have that perspective on it is a good thing to just be prepared for and prepared to maybe hear that that's the direction they'd like to lean in. But I think it's also okay for you to offer your perspective and say, you know, we come from a generation where traditionally the bride's parents paid for the wedding and they are considered the hosts of the wedding. I think sometimes it gets a little complicated for my generation, gen uh what am I? I'm a millennial. You're a Gen X. Um, <laughs> because we often feel like we're so a part of the planning of the wedding that we are a host when technically it's the the people who are paying who are hosts. And then there's this wonderful, inclusive nature that says, really, anybody can be a host. They don't have to pay for the wedding. And I think it, it's a it's kind of a messy little area that I think if you approach it with as much kind of optimism and inclusivity as possible, the better off it generally is.
1: Lizzie Post, you know that I turn to you when it comes to wedding invitation wording questions. And <laughs> I was thinking about this. From I, I a, turned
0: to our books. <laughs> well,
1: as did I when, when the big moment came in my life. And even then, I also then turned to Virginia Kaiser, who I needed totally. so much help from. Thank you, Virginia. I see that as one of the great moments in our relationship. I don't think it probably registered with you as being that significant, but it was very important for me. <laughs> um, w- wedding invitation wording is something that people don't understand. I didn't fully understand how, um, w- what a point of concern it can be. But mm-hmm. then I got to the moment where I was going to be sending out final proofs and I knew the size of the check that we'd be writing for them. And <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden it mattered a lot. <laughs> and I understood the calls that we get at the Emily post Institute where people want to go through, letter by letter, what they have on a page with us, just just to be sure. Mm-hmm. It would have been such a relief in my life if my bride's parents had approached me with a worded sample language that they preferred all ready to go. I would have seized that opportunity so <laughs> fast that your head would have spun. And I, I, I love it as a suggestion that if you come in really thinking about sort of the the, the totality of what you would like to see. And as a host, if you're making an offer as part of that suggestion that this is something you'd like to have input on and you'd like to help with, I think that whole approach is one that is likely to get a really good response from your daughter and her future spouse. So from a just very human perspective, I really like that part of the advice. The other thing that I was thinking about was really from a from a very etiquette y perspective, ultimately every individual, every couple have a lot of autonomy and a lot of choice about how they want to yeah. be represented. And if the broader language of the invitation becomes something that there's more discussion about, I think one of the places that you can very comfortably hold a line and it doesn't need to be like a a stand that you make that with yeah. you know great certitude, but I think it's something you can have confidence in that the end result is that you're going to have complete control over how you and your husband are listed on this invitation or how you're named on the invitation if not how you're listed because that is really a choice that every couple gets to make for themselves and yes That I think maybe knowing that and being really secure in that might make it easier to have some of the other discussions about what is communicated with different kinds of of wedding invitation wording.
0: Dan, I think that is a really important bottom line to hold, no matter who's on what invitation, (laughs) is that the host should be listed with their names and titles as they prefer to see them listed. I also think there there is a place where I could see if let's just say in mother of the bride, I am not saying you feel this way, so so please don't don't worry not putting words in your mouth. But if you were of the mindset where the phrasing together with their families, maybe you even go into the conversation with your with your child about it as, as like being open to that. But then when you really see it and you really think about how much you spent and how much effort you put into this wedding, it it really feels like you, the host, have now gotten lost in this invitation somewhere. And from an etiquette standpoint, it really is totally fine. But from a personal standpoint, some people just say, boy, I just really don't feel recognized and I really would like this recognition and I don't want to begrudge anybody that. But you might come into it with um, language that has you ready to say, boy, I really – would appreciate seeing the invitation or at least our names appearing on the invitation or using a form of wording that allows our names to appear on the invitation. That would be something that would make me as the the mother of the bride and as someone who's helped coordinate all of this really feel confident and excellent and excited to send out these invitations. And if you were feeling like there was kind of one that really did it for you, I think speaking up and saying that, and if you get a lot of pushback, be open to that, be willing to hear it. As Dan says, it, it really is about the couple and this really is for their day and how they want to be representing themselves. And I think it's important if you feel differently about that, if if you're really in one space and the couple is really in another, that you do talk that out and kind of find out where each of your desires are coming from. You may be surprised um, it may be that when your daughter says, boy, it really let us include his parents or, or made it feel like it was about us more than who was throwing it. You might hear something in the reasoning that comes from the couple that softens you to it, or at least you'll a- be able to have a conversation where you're letting someone else know your perspective and how you feel about it and view it and see it. And that, that might help influence them. There are no guarantees with this conversation, unfortunately. And both versions of the wording would be perfectly appropriate from an etiquette standpoint. But I think what Mother of the Bride here is really looking for is how to navigate this conversation and to to find ways to both talk about what they're used to as well as what the couple is envisioning. So my hope is that Mother of the Bride, that conversation goes really well and that with our answer, you feel confident about both what you'd like to see and what possibilities are out there.
1: Best of luck with the rest of the planning.
0: And a big congratulations to your daughter and her partner. The plans for all these marriages are plans to spend money, for every marriage starts a home. And to start that home requires initial spending that's covered by savings, gifts, and carefully budgeted incomes. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesome at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text at 802 858 kind. That's 802 858 5463. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. And don't forget, we are trying to pre-record for preparation of a paternity leave and a six-week vacation. Yay, Chris. And so we are really looking for your questions. If you've ever thought, boy, I have a question, I should send it in. Now is the time. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. We would be so grateful to hear from you.
1: If you're enjoying Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash Awesome Etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. More to come on that soon. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support.
0: It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have feedback from Allison.
1: I'm super late catching up. Had some feedback to the children at the wedding feedback. When I was planning my wedding, I outright asked my sister, the only parent among my sibling group, if she preferred to have her kids at the reception or not and went from there. We had an 18 plus reception. The kids, eight and under at the time, played a part in the ceremony of the wedding, got gifts from us, and got to be a part of our day, and then headed off for the evening with their aunt and uncle, my brother-in-law's sibling. This worked well for everybody in our case and could be a best of both worlds strategy.
0: Allison, thank you so much for the suggestion. No worries on being super late. I'm still hoping that someone who's going through the archive is going to write in about the pizza toppings debate. But thank you so much for another suggestion for how someone could possibly handle this. For each couple, each wedding, each family, it's going to be a little bit different. And we love having a variety of options.
1: Super late is no problem when your suggestions are so good. (laughs) Lizzie, we forgot. We actually have two pieces of feedback. Do you want to read the second?
0: Sure, Dan. This piece of feedback came from the listener. I don't know if you'll remember this one, but they were attending meetings at a restaurant and they weren't sure if they should be ordering food or not. The feedback begins. Thank you so much for responding to my question. I like your suggestions and will start ordering a small item twice a month. I will continue to tip them well for their service and tasty food. I've listened to your early and more recent episodes on tipping.
1: Well, I love getting the follow-up. It is so great to hear how something worked out and the impact that it might have.
0: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to AwesomeEtiquette at EmilyPost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
1: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to read from the 1922 replica edition of the original etiquette, which was published in 1969 and includes a foreword from Elizabeth Post, our grandmother. She talks about manners changing and how often the things we are concerned with stay the same, but the venue or attire look different.
0: Elizabeth begins... Although the surroundings have changed, the setting is an airplane instead of a train, or the dinner is a barbecue on the patio rather than served at the dining room table. Our problems of etiquette are not so different today. Soufflés still fall at the wrong moment. Our temporary help may still stack the dishes. We still forget names when we make introductions. Emily Post provided answers to difficult situations that were practical, gracious, and correct for her day. There are many people who resent the changes in manners that have occurred since then. They spend their time moaning about the good old days, which they see through rose-colored glasses. They forget that every past generation has had the same feelings about, for example, the often heard belief that the current younger generation is headed straight for disaster, showing how very similar to today's were the thoughts of 50 years ago, Emily went on to write, quote, it is commonplace to remark that older people invariably feel that the younger generation is speeding swiftly on the road to perdition. But whether the present younger generation is really any nearer to that frightful end than any previous one is a question that we, of the present older generation, are scarcely qualified to answer. To be sure, manners seem to have grown lax, and many of the amenities apparently have vanished. It is difficult to maintain that youth today is so very different from what it has been in other periods of the country's history, especially as the, quote, capriciousness of beauty, the "Quote heartlessness and quote carelessness of youth, are charges of a too suspiciously bromidic flavor to carry conviction." End quote. These words could well have been written today.
1: Elizabeth L. Post. Okay, that is so awesome. <laughs> that is like hearing your grandmother reflecting on your great great grandmother. And the generational passage – and I think of Mud, Elizabeth Post, our grandmother who wrote that as a keeper of tradition in my life. And Mm -hmm. to hear her talk about the way the traditions that she kept were so different than the traditions that she had inherited and was meant to steward, there's just a delicious story within a story going on here that – um. Lizzie Post, that's just so much fun to hear.
0: <laughs> well, I love the the it's the repeat that they're they're both writing the same thing, and you know, in our seminars, we have this version of this conversation too, where every generation sort of looks back nostalgically at either the one it grew up in or the generation that came before it, and says. You know, oh boy, those were the good times, and you know we're we're headed straight to demise. <laughs> and I think it's a it's it is a constant feeling that we have, and it's a, important to recognize that often when we look back, as as Elizabeth says, we're looking through those rose colored glasses. It's so strange, by the way, calling her Elizabeth. I keep wanting to say Mud, <laughs> which is the name we called her. But what I love is being Elizabeth's grandchildren, reading her words as she reflects upon the the two generations above her, Emily, saying the very same thing. And I really love that. Um, I know that both women actually really respected youth and really respected the sort of Promise that, that youth brings to the world, the potential maybe is a better word that the youth of any version of today brings to the world. And I both like that encouragement that we're not just gonna dump on the new, but instead really embrace it, um, and, and think about how it's going to function and work with the traditions of old. And to me, it was very encouraging and it, it made me feel very much like I, I went for a walk with one of our younger cousins from the sixth generation, um, over the Christmas break. And he was very sweetly asked me, how's the etiquette thing going? You know, that etiquette thing you do. And, um, and I just loved thinking about him and Anisha and Aria and, and my niece and nephew and all the kids in our family and, and whether or not they take up this mantle, if they'll have some version of a postscript like this, and whatever endeavors they take on, where they're like our older cousins were doing it when their then their grandmother was saying the same thing that our great 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 grandmother was saying. So I kind of I do love the generational aspect about it, but it really it really rings true to me is that etiquette is and always will be a combination of tradition and looking forward to see what's coming next. Um, and I think our our book that's coming out this year really represents that. And I think that the Institute represents that. And that's one of the traditions. I'm really excited that we've carried on in this hundred year tradition that we have going.
1: Thank you so much for the reminder to look back, but not too nostalgically and to look forward, but not too critically and to (laughs) to enjoy our place wherever it is and to, to understand it a little bit better. I certainly feel like I do having looked back through the generations nice find lizzie post thank you but just as important as laws are the rules and usages of courtesy and consideration which we call good manners they come naturally where people have a high regard for each other We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Lizzie.
0: Because I really appreciate the opportunity to give this salute. I actually tried to give this salute about a month and a half ago and and just couldn't hold it together throughout, so I'm going to try again. I think, I think I can do it this time. Um, so sadly, this fall, I lost my cat Denim, meaning that he, he passed. And it was after 18 years of being together. I got him when I was in college as a tiny runt of a kitten. And he has traveled with me to California and back. Dan, I'm sure you remember him being in the car on our three-day drive from coast to coast. But he was a wonderful being in in my life. And I know – That he impacted some of my friends and roommates, really importantly, they often said, I felt like your cat was protecting me on a day they were sad or something like that. And it was such a shock when after 18 years, you kind of no longer have this wonderful being in my life. And I know that a lot of people now recognize the importance of animals in our lives uh, if we choose to care for them. I have to say that I was really overwhelmed by how kind everyone was to me during this loss. You know, I'm thinking it's a really busy, busy time. Dan and I are hard pressed on a deadline and there's so much to do. I wasn't feeling like I could take time off for this. And Dan, you gave me so much space to grieve this. And not only that, but Bridget sent me a Condolence card that absolutely warmed my heart. And then I had friends and past roommates who, when I did let them know, they reached back out to check in repeatedly, even to say their own goodbyes. You know, a part of me is missing, but I was really shown. That I have a whole community who cares about me and who I'm I'm almost getting through it, who cares about me and who remembers and loved my wonderfully sweet, snuggly, amazing cat denim. And I really wanted to offer a salute to all of those who reached out or were supportive during those tough times. Um, You really do make a difference in the lives of those you touch when you decide to reach out to someone. Um, And so I just want to say thank you uh, and salute the people who did that in my life
1: well you're most welcome because and uh, we will certainly miss denim.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, for listening this week.
1: And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon.
0: Please connect with us and share this show however you like to share podcasts with whomever you feel would benefit or be interested in listening to the show.
1: You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can reach us by phone or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802 Five eight five four six three. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute.
0: Please consider becoming a sustaining member. It's an excellent way of showing support for the show. You can do this by visiting patreon.com slash etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review there. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette.
1: Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd.
0: Thanks, Thanks Chris and Chris Bridget. And Bridget.